Have you been wanting to start a meditation practice, but you have no idea where to begin? Or do you hear the word mindfulness and you just think it's another fad that's crossing over the internet and it's full of woo-woo and crystal grids and all that jazz? Well, I'm here to tell you what mindfulness and meditation is really about and how you can apply it to your everyday life. My name is April and I specialize in helping entrepreneurs and business owners utilize mindfulness and meditation, both in their everyday practice as well as improving their business. So listen on and let's get down to business where we talk about mindfulness and meditation in a way that's easy for you to understand. Hey everyone, so this talk uh, was part of the series that I'm doing for the We Band Together community. Uh, The We Band Together community was formed by uh, Kelsey and his wife Lindsay as a way to bring mental health supports online uh, in a way that's accessible for people. So for the month of April, we are providing um, classes online for free. So we being myself, I'll be teaching meditation and mindfulness on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And then we have three mental health professionals who are providing uh, three separate classes in their areas of expertise, um, all surrounded around um, maintaining mental well-being during this time. So uh, you can look up We Band Together community Um, on Instagram or go through the website and you can click to register for the classes through the Zoom link provided there. So uh, what's following is a little chat that I gave. Um, I referenced two books, Start With Why by Simon Sinek and The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. So um, I hope you enjoy and as always if you have any questions please feel free to send me a message. So uh, you can just settle into your posture. I'll do a little bit of a chat before we sit, but you can feel free to just sit throughout the whole talk. Um, When we talk about finding your posture, you want to find a way to place your body in space that makes sense for you uh, right now. So most often we talk about sitting where we're sitting either in a chair or on the floor in a position that just places us with an upright spine head stacked above the shoulders and although it takes us some energy and effort to sit upright it's not taxing to the system Uh, but if sitting doesn't feel comfortable for you you can lay down if you'd like Um, but we do recommend laying down in a way that uh, stops you from getting sleepy so uh, bending the knees so that the feet are on the floor and sometimes keeping the hands Um, elevated into the air can be helpful. You can also stand or walk. Um, And in recent conversations with people, I've been talking about walking more and more often, just especially um, at the time that we're meeting today with all of the isolation practices happening that a lot of people are stuck inside. Um, So doing walking meditation inside just simply means uh, pacing back and forth at a slow rate. So Um, If you're feeling a little bit unsettled today, you can choose to listen to this and walk. Um, The fourth posture is standing, where you simply stand still uh, in a way that's relaxed and comfortable. And doing that can help if you are feeling especially sleepy or having a hard time uh, kind of being in your body, that uh, standing can feel a little bit more 
It can give you a, a better sense of confidence while you're doing some of this internal work. So just finding a posture that works for you. And we often suggest closing the eyes during this work, just because so much of the brain is dedicated to sight, that closing that sense door can open our nervous system to recognizing sensations that come from other sense doors. So whether that's touch or sound, but it also allows us to um, better observe what comes up from within. <clears throat> and I know that that sounds esoteric, but um, the more you meditate, the more you'll get it. So uh, closing the eyes, if that feels okay. And if it doesn't feel okay, that's cool too. Just sending uh, a gaze ahead of you and not necessarily staring at anything or looking at anything in particular. It's almost like um, you're just kind of zoning out from the eyes so that you can come inward. And so today I was doing a little bit of reading before we met and I was reading the book Start With Why by Simon Sinek and he likes to study how um, people do what they do and why people do what they do. And I know it, um, in these days, there are many people where it feels like their purpose has been taken from them um, because of maybe being laid off or their role at work has changed significantly due to the current state of affairs. And in the mindfulness practices, we like to um, try to eliminate identification with labels as much as possible because you are not your job. You may love your job and, um, and it's, it's important to you, but at the same time, you are not what you do. And so, uh, in meditation, we can kind of strip away all those labels of identification. Um, I find this extra important when we're talking about mental health um, when I was diagnosed with depression, I chose to reframe what I was going through as saying that in this moment, there is a feeling of depression instead of saying I am depressed. And just by simply changing our language um, can shift our nervous system and can shift things more towards the positive. And we can see the opportunity, especially if we see life moment to moment. And so right now, if uh, current affairs have changed what life looks like for you, just know that that's not who you are. Um, I work in education and for a long time I was a teacher, uh, but that's not who I identify with at uh, the most uh, basic part of my being. Uh, what I do identify with is um, helping others by being a teacher. And I know that in certain moments I'm a teacher, like right now, but in other moments I'm not. And so the same goes for any kind of thoughts, emotions, or feelings that we're having. Same with sensations. In that in one moment I may feel something that is called depression, uh, but in other moments I don't feel that. And so throughout our sit today, just maybe keeping that on the surface of noticing moment by moment uh, 
what you're experiencing. And when we assign labels to it, we're doing so without any certain attachment to it. And after this sit, uh, maybe they will bring some clarity to who you are and how you show up in the world and why it is, why you do what you do. And even if your work has been taken from you, that day-to-day purpose-driven work has been taken from you, um, you can see purpose from a place of why in other areas of your life. And that can, that can help give us some direction. It can be grounding. Um, it can just gener- in general help us feel better in uh, these times that are a bit more uncertain. And so Simon Sinek talks about, he has a concept called the golden circle and it looks at why, how, and what of, of what it is we do. And most people start with what they can tell you what you do. Um, So I can tell you what I do day to day. I help oversee an educational program for indigenous preschool children, children. That's what I do. Um, but that doesn't get into the how or the why. And it's the how and the why specifically that sets us apart. That's our individuality. And it's also um, where our values and beliefs lie. That's where our emotions lie. And so it's important to remember how we do things and why we do things. And that can really bring us back down to the foundation of who we are and can help eliminate the attachment to any sort of label. It can eliminate those labels to that we can become attached to. Uh, When the why is absent, imbalance is produced and manipulations thrive. And when manipulations thrive, uncertainty increases for us. Instability increases and stress increases. And so you can think about that in how we try and manipulate ourselves. Uh, the, just yesterday, I was speaking with uh, a friend about motivation. We were out riding our bikes and what motivates us to do things? What motivated us to get out and go for a long ride yesterday? And, and the surface motivation is fitness or looking better, losing weight, um, going stir crazy in the house. Um, and each one of those has a tinge of manipulation to it. Uh, manipulation stem from the ego-based mind. And so the ego is always rooted in keeping us safe. And sometimes by keeping us safe, it will make us do things that don't feel quite right to the rest of the system. And so what's wrong with just going for a bike ride just to go for a bike ride where there is no manipulation? It just simply is what needs to be done in the moment. So we need to start with clarity. Again, this is coming from Simon Sinek's book. Um, You have to know why you do what you do. If people don't understand what you do, then we need to really get focused on why we do it. And sometimes it can be difficult for us to understand why we do things. Uh, In working with clients, we often look at the past in order to understand the present. And we don't like to dwell in the past, but it can be 
it can be good to revisit there every once in a while to see is why we're behaving a certain way right now based in some form of conditioning from the past. Did someone at one point in time tell us something about ourselves and we believed it to be true? And so especially in these times of uncertainty where it feels like the what we do has been taken from us, gaining clarity on on the why in every portion of our life can bring bring a sense of groundedness and calm to the system. Again, when we start to eliminate those labels, we can start to uh, dig deeper into the inner truth of who we really are. Um, I was also diagnosed with adjustment disorder, and which just simply means that I have a hard time accepting change, which is funny because uh, in mindfulness, one of the main things we teach is acceptance of change. And it doesn't mean that it it negates the fact that change can be really shitty and difficult. Um, Our nervous systems are wired that way. And it's one of the great paradoxes in life in that as humans, we are wired to want things to stay the same. And yet the only constant is change. Life today has been just throwing huge curveballs at us around about change. And so it's really throwing that part of the practice in our face. So one of the things that I've been looking at when it comes to my what, my how, and my why is um, how has these has this change that's been thrown at me from life with um, this virus and all of the repercussions, it's changed what I do. Uh, no longer am I going into a physical classroom and working hands-on with children. I'm now working from a home office and never did I think that working in education would find me in an office. And so as I'm talking about this right now, I just want you to bring to mind what you do. And I like to think of what I do as a, as a laundry list, a to-do list of, um, if someone were to replicate your job, it looks like a job description, uh, day in and day out. What is it that you do? And even if your work has uh, temporarily been taken from you, um, still just think in that space of what is it that I do that's day to day? And it can, it can be helpful to visualize that, but also just maybe with your inner voice, just labeling what it is that you do day to day. And as you're doing that, maybe notice if any feelings or emotions come up with those labels. Are there certain things in your work that you don't like doing? And, and, um, and maybe that's something to, to look at further. What you do is the result of action. Uh, The important thing of what is that it needs to be consistent. So if we're really good at what we do, it typically comes from practice. And again, that's what I love about meditation and mindfulness as a practice is that it's simply repeating what we do over and over again. So even as a meditator, there are certain things that I do the same most times. I pick a posture for my body, 
I settle into the body and I focus on an anchor. And from that place, I'm able to then travel with my thoughts or stay with my anchor. And so the what I do as a meditator doesn't necessarily change and can be replicated by anybody. And so you've developed your list of what you do. And then we move further inward into the how. Hows are your values or principles that guide how you bring what you do to life. How we do things manifests in the systems and processes within our lives. And so when you move from that list of what you do, that job description into how you do it, I like to see these things as skills. We want to look at these in the form of a verb, an action word. And this is what starts to set us apart as individuals and, and makes what we do special. And so again, just visualizing or verbalizing in your mind how you do what you do. And start breaking it apart and making it more specific. And as you do that, I want you to notice if anything comes up for you as far as emotions or feelings. For values or guiding principles to be truly effective, they have to be, to be verbs. It's something to do. And so just noticing again the emotions or feelings that, that come up. And if you're one of the lucky ones and you truly love what you do, maybe starting to go through the body and just seeing where those emotions or feelings reside and what it feels like. And see if you can describe that to yourself of, for example, maybe there's a warmth and a fullness around the heart center or your breathing becomes a little bit easier. You noticed a bit of a smile come to your face when you were thinking about how you do what you do. And in these times of quarantine and isolation, I also want you to start to bring to mind how you move through life these days. And again, are there any emotions or feelings that come up from looking at your life from a place of how? Again, using verbs or action words to describe how you move through your day. How do you wake up? Do you wake up naturally or, or are you still setting an alarm to wake up at the same time every day? How do you choose how to spend your time? Because a lot of us have what seems to be a gift of more time. We still have 1,440 minutes in every day just like we did before, but for some reason now it seems like time has expanded. The thing about how is that it takes discipline. How we do what we do. So what takes consistency and how takes discipline. So again, when we look at meditation, how we meditate is simply the returning to the anchor. And so whether it's one time or a thousand times, what's most important is arriving here in this body and in this present moment.
And from the place of mental health, that can be really difficult. And so we often then say, well, arrive just outside of your body, maybe hover just above your head or just under the feet or around the hands, but somewhere that feels comfortable for you. And we just continue to return there. And when our mind starts to travel either into the past or the future, the how of meditation is returning back to the anchor as many times as needed. And that's where the discipline lies in the practice. It's much less about setting a time in the day to meditate. It's more about how frequently you meditate during the day and finding those moments to turn inward and to pay attention. And so again, just noticing in your body where you're feeling things, any emotions that have come up from looking at your how. And then following Simon's model, we go further inward to the why. And why starts with clarity. We need to be clear on why we do what we do. He talks about it from the place of an organization. But if you think about yourself as an organization and your mind as the leader, if the leader of the organization can't clearly articulate why the organization exists in terms of beyond what you do, then how do you expect the rest of your system to know why you're here? And so inspiration lies within the why. So... Like we were saying with the what, motivation can often come from manipulation. But when we live within our why, motivation comes from inspiration. And we're able to inspire ourselves to simply show up. And so why do I choose to be in education? Because I want to show up for kids who need my help. And I want to show up for parents who need my help. And part of my why exists in recognizing the privilege that I have in being university educated and having training in trauma and training in meditation and being able to travel in order to do so. And so part of my why is recognizing that and giving back. And so we have that element of karma of what I do has ripple effects in this world. And so I want it always tinged. What I want what I do tinged from a place of why. And that why I do what I do always comes from the heart. And it comes from a place of empathy and compassion and kindness first, always. And that can be hard. When I was feeling my most depressed, it was very difficult to even find my why. I remember distinctly one evening I was sitting on my couch and my best friend had invited me over to her apartment. She was just having people over for dinner and I honestly sat there and thought, why should I go? Um, and I ended up going and it was the best decision I could have made. And so when we're kind of walking through a bit of a fog, our why can be elusive to us. And again, why comes from clarity. So one of the things that meditation helps us do is get clear on our why. 
we can really drill down into why it is we said a certain thing. Uh, why do I feel sad today? Why do I feel some comfort and happiness and joy at this moment? Those are all questions that we can choose to sit with when we are in a meditative state. And so now you've moved through, through the what, which is kind of that noun-based thinking, into the how, which are the verbs. And why is much more descriptive. Why comes from the heart. So I want you to bring to mind, again, visualize if you need to, and if not, use, use labels to determine for yourself why it is you do what you do. And again, if your work has been taken from you, you can still think in the terms of this is temporary and when I return to work, why do I do that? And if not, you can think of it in terms of just everyday life right now. Why do I make coffee in the morning? Why do I choose to sit here to drink it? Why do I go for a walk every day? And what you may begin to experience now as you're looking at your whys is that it's difficult. It can be really hard to describe even to ourselves why we do what we do. And the reason that is, is because the why and the how exist in the limbic system. And so the limbic part of your brain is, is a little bit lower down. It's a bit more primitive and it doesn't have the capacity for language. And so especially when we've, we've experienced some states of um, mental health challenges, that can be exactly why it's so difficult to describe to others what we're going through. It's also why I never expect a meditation to feel the same from one person to the next, because you simply can't describe what is going on inside of you. And so with mindfulness as our guide, we just start to figure out what works for us. We look for patterns. We observe what's happening in the body And we follow that path. And so as you're thinking about why it is you do what you do every day, look within the body again to notice sensations, feelings, or where emotions show up. And also remembering that the part of your brain that is turned on by evoking why it is you do what you do, it's going to be difficult to assign it with a label, and that's okay. But by simply bringing it to the surface, we can start to then remember and recognize those feelings and sensations when we are not meditating and we're simply going through our day. And these feelings and emotions can help serve as guideposts so especially during this time when we are all under stress and the access to the higher parts of our logical, rational thinking brain 
are more difficult. Most of us are living in the limbic system in that emotional part of the brain. So let's start to recognize it and let's get better at seeing it. Let's get better at feeling it so that when we notice it, we can change our behavior as needed. And so we've looked at our why for a little bit and you can travel back down through the how and the what and just see, does this change anything for you? Do you have any other thoughts or sensations or feelings or emotions coming up now that we've gone through this process of the golden circle? And does everything seem right to you or are there things that you're thinking that you might want to shift after this meditation is over? And that might look like setting a better daily schedule for yourself just so that you maintain a bit of routine, which we know helps regulate the nervous system. And it can be as simple as setting, setting an alarm to get up at the same time every day and going to the bed to bed at the same time every day. It can be as simple as going for a walk and just starting with 30 minutes. And when you're walking, focusing on why you're walking. And it can be as simple as because I need a little bit of sunshine today. And so looking at the totality of your what's, your how's and your why's and just being reflective now. And the process of reflection takes us back up into the higher thinking parts of the brain. And often through reflection, we can travel into kind of problem solving mode. And it's okay to go there, but don't get stuck there. Sometimes there are problems that don't need to be solved or that we can't solve. But just being reflective and again noticing if anything comes up in the body or any emotions or feelings come up. And so if there's anything that's kind of come to the surface and is needing some attention, I just want you to focus your awareness on whatever that is. It might be a sensation in the body, a thought, an idea, something to add to your list, an emotion, whatever it is for you right now that's come up from this practice, just hold on to it. And I'm going to read from, to you from another book. This is my favorite book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And this is at a point in time, there's a boy going on a journey and he um, finds himself with the alchemist. And I'll just read, read to you from this. And it talks about taking action, which is the how and the why. 
You are almost at the end of your journey, said the alchemist. I congratulate you for having pursued your personal legend. And you've told me nothing along the way, said the boy. I thought you were going to teach me some of the things you know. A while ago, I rode through the desert with a man who had books on alchemy, but I wasn't able to learn anything from them. There's only one way to learn, the alchemist answered. It's through action. Everything you need to know, you have learned through your journey. You need to learn only one thing more. The boy wanted to know what that was, but the alchemist was searching the horizon, looking for the falcon. Why are you called the alchemist? Because that's what I am. And what went wrong when other alchemists tried to make gold and you were unable to do so? They were looking only for gold, his companion answered. They were seeking the treasure of their personal legend without wanting to actually live out the personal legend. What is it that I still need to know, the boy asked. But the alchemist continued to look to the horizon, and finally the falcon returned with their meal. They dug a hole and they lit their fire in it so that the light of the flames would not be seen. I'm an alchemist simply because I'm an alchemist, he said as he prepared the meal. I learned the science from my grandfather, who learned from his father and so on, back to the creation of the world. In those times, the masterwork could be written simply on an emerald, but men began to pre reject simple things and to write tracts, interpretations, and philosophical studies. They also began to feel that they knew a better way than others had, yet the emerald tablet is still alive today. What was written on the emerald tablet, the boy wanted to know. The alchemist began to draw in the sand and completed his drawing in less than five minutes. As he drew, the boy thought of the old king in the plaza where they had met that day. It seemed as if it had taken place years and years ago. This is what was written on the emerald tablet, said the alchemist when he had finished. The boy tried to read what was written in the sand. It's a code, said the boy, a bit disappointed. It looks like what I saw in the Englishman's books. No, the alchemist answered. It is like the flight of those two hawks. It cannot be understood by reason alone. The emerald tablet is a direct passage to the soul of the world. The wise men understood that this natural world is only an image and a copy of paradise. The existence of this world is simply a guarantee that there exists a world that is perfect. God created the world so that, through its visible objects, men could understand his spiritual teachings and the marvels of his wisdom. That's what I mean by action. Should I understand the emerald tablet? the boy asked. Perhaps, if you were in a laboratory of alchemy, this would be the right time to study the best way to understand the emerald tablet. But you are in the desert, so immerse yourselves in it. The desert will give you an understanding of the world. In fact, anything on the face of the earth will do that. You don't even have to understand the desert. All you have to do is contemplate a simple grain of sand, and you will see in it all the marvels of creation. How do I immerse myself in the desert? Listen to your heart. It knows all things because it came from the soul of the world and it will one day return there. And so from wherever you've traveled, just coming back into the body or just outside of the body, whatever's comfortable for you. And taking a few more moments to reflect on your why and your how. And just as the author says in The Alchemist around 
wanting to know the whole desert. And we can start by simply looking at a grain of sand. In these times of uncertainty, our egoic mind will want to search for all of the answers outside of ourselves. When really what we need to know is inside of us. And we can see ourselves as simply that one grain of sand. So starting to bring our meditation to a close, coming back into the room that you're in, recognizing where your body is in space. And thanking yourself for entering into meditation today.